0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Davey Love in the house. Modern Problem show. We're broadcasting from Royal Fox Studio 415 Howe Ave, Shelton, Connecticut, Suite 175. Where Sweet Lou does some major producing for you here. He's got, I don't know, six or seven shows here. Um, I know Lisa Lampinelli has a show here. Uh... Lose Losers with a Dream, I think, and then there's Lifestyle Gains. There's a bunch of different shows, but you know, support them, show them some love. Lou's got a new website coming out. Uh, check out our sponsors on our website, modprobshow.com. See, I sound like a dick when I ask one <laughs> like, you, where should I get your pictures from? Uh, it's at modprobshow.com. <laughs> Which one should you pick? anyone's from modprobshow.com <laughs> that's what you should do uh, but anyway I'm a little amped that's because I had some coffee from HiAF Coffee that's right HiAFCoffee.com get their coffee they have great coffee Alexis Fox sourced sourced, main sourced every kind of source there is she, she got the coffee let me tell you I am not lying you Have you tried her coffee yet?
1: Not yet. <laughs> I still have to figure out how to cold brew it.
0: I, yeah, I still don't know. We'll have to ask her. Yes. We'll have her on the show, and we'll have to ask her how to cold brew the coffee. Yes. That could be a whole step-by-step thing. That
1: would be wonderful.
0: Um, but yeah, check out all our other sponsors on there. Let me introduce you to my co-host extraordinaire. Give it up for Laura Merrill. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> Sounds weird when I'm the only one clapping. (laughs) Yay! All right. Tonight we got a big show. We have the third gift author, J.D. McCabe. And I guess he goes by the name Danny, but we're going to have to figure out what to say when we call him up, so it would be really interesting. Okay. Yeah.
1: Okay,
0: Danny. Oh, Danny boy. Oh, Danny
1: boy. (laughs) (laughs) Danny boy's got a tale to tell.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. So we're going to get into that in a little bit. Uh, and next week, we have Sonia Kanta. He is Very amazing. Cool. He is amazing. And I'm looking forward to that. And then in the upcoming month, we're going to have an interview with John Popper, because he's coming to Stanford nice. for, I think, the Live Five, if that's still going on, you know, since COVID's creeping up, you know.
1: Cross your fingers.
0: Yeah, we uh, we hope. So, you know, wear your mask. Yes. If you don't want to wear a mask, don't walk anywhere in any store stay at home you know that's (laughs) it and you know if you don't want to get vaccinated cool just take a covid test you know so people know what's going on yes and uh and we can all try to uh beat this pandemic uh like a one red-headed stepchild <laughs> Not to go like the one-eyed pope
2: <laughs> Beat the bishop <laughs>
0: Beating the clown That's what we need to do to, to COVID The one-eyed
1: monster <laughs> <laughs> Yeah,
0: just beat that shit So, Lou, you're gonna have fun with this one Hello? Hello, J.D.?
2: Davey, how are you?
0: Good, how are you? Should we call am, you J.D. or Danny?
2: Yeah, J.D. is perfect. J.D.
0: Yeah. is perfect. All right, uh, let me introduce you to my co-host. Are you ready? I am ready. All right, we got Laura Merrill in the house.
2: Hi, J.D., hey, how Laura. are you? Good, Laura, how are you? Good, good.
0: So welcome to the show.
2: And the house is Connecticut, right?
0: Yes, the house is Connecticut. And you're in Charleston, correct?
2: Correct, yeah. yeah, right. yeah.
0: And where did you live before that?
2: I lived in the uh, Wilmington, North Carolina
0: Oh, area. all right. Yeah. yeah? Yeah. That's like where so, Eastern North Carolina is, right?
2: Yeah. yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, yep. Yep. It's out on the coast. You're, I don't know if you're familiar with Wrightsville Beach, that area.
0: Oh, so, yeah, definitely. I have family that lives in uh, Myrtle Beach.
2: Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I moved down to Charleston about um, at the height of COVID last year in March of 2020. So. Oh, geez. Uh, I just decided I needed a change of scenery. So I've been in the North Carolina area for 19 years and
0: yeah. Right, right. Got you. And now you've uh you've got this amazing book out, The Third Gift, which we are totally uh interested in yes. and like amazed. Yes. And uh I well, have
2: Thank you. It's really a pleasure to talk to you guys. I was curious where where did where did you where did you find out about the book? Was it the infamous TikTok or
0: um I'm not on TikTok but uh I okay. uh I saw it on Instagram and I was okay. like I was like oh man this is this is amazing like the story and everything at first I, was, I just it was one of your TikTok videos that caught me in there and I was like wait a second what <laughs> <laughs> oh? I was like Scooby Doo yeah. like watching something I was like oh? <laughs>
2: yeah, 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 yeah. I've listened to a couple of your guys' other shows. Yeah, so you got your impressions are great.
0: So. <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you. But yeah, that's that's what I was like thinking, and I was like, oh man. Then I clicked on, and I was like, holy shit! I'm totally into all this. Like, uh, you know, this whole thing that went on and happened with you in your life like it's so interesting I'm sorry that it happened to you but I'm like wow like holy cow this is like I'm into the dateline stuff so
2: yeah yeah and there's well there's and again it's a real pleasure to talk to you both but yeah there there were uh there were a lot of blessings along the way too so I mean you know the book is not only about uh my journey through several different broken systems but it's also about faith it's about family it's about friends and coming out the other side right right
0: which I can totally identify with that. I mean, I didn't experience uh, the relationship stuff, but uh, I've been sober 25 years. So mm. I can talk to you about redemption and going through that and the trials and tribulations.
2: Well, congratulations, because I know that's not easy. So
0: Definitely not. Definitely.
2: Yeah, not. adversity comes in all forms of shapes and sizes, right?
0: Yes, so. it definitely does. It definitely does. <laughs>
2: Yeah, so there was no law and order, no law and order SVU in my situation. So.
0: Anyway. <laughs> no, no, no law and order SVU. My my episode never aired though.
2: Oh, is that right?
0: Okay. Yeah, no, because uh, I I killed Mariska Hardigay off.
2: Oh, did you really?
0: Yeah, I played a Russian hitman and I killed her. It was a two part <laughs> episode. <laughs> And it was because she didn't have her contract signed, and they were like, okay, and she said she was going to leave, and it was like a demand of money, so they had written this two-part episode, and they filmed, like, I was in the whole both episodes. And then wow. at the end, I kill her. So I was like, oh, man, I'm going to be a hero, like legend. I, like either either I'm going to get a lot of roles and people are going to be like, oh, shit, he was that guy. Or they're going to be like, oh, that's that dude, you know? And and yeah, 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 it yeah. never happened. But that's that's usually what happens in Hollywood.
2: Yes. Instead, you cost NBC a lot of money, right? Huh? Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, she did, not me.
2: I <laughs> yeah. well, had you killed her off, they wouldn't have had to pay her. But...
0: Yeah, I was the cheap option. <laughs> wow. Well,
2: that- that's funny. That's yeah. funny. You need to put that. On, you need to put that on your website. That little backstory there. Oh yeah, <laughs> I
0: I, look, I let let people just get interested in seeing that, and then it's better to tell them. You know, kind of yeah. like tease yeah. them a little bit, like you do with your TikTok, which got right, me all right, into right, your book. Right. Like I'm like, wow, like that's what I did. That little tease.
2: Right. Now, Laura, I was going to ask you: is, is is sick? Bitches? Is that just for women? The apparel is that just for women? So...
1: Oh, that was an old T-shirt line I had. Um, okay. A while back and that kind of formulated into my photography and what I'm doing now with my book project. oh nice yeah nice yep yep and kind of my artwork as well so it's kind of under that umbrella I guess that kind of vibe. very
2: good very good
1: yeah
0: so your book now tell us a little bit about what gave you the courage to come about writing this book because I will tell you as a man that takes yeah. a lot of courage to come forward with that kind of stuff, you know, because most men don't.
2: Yeah, I mean, that was probably one of the biggest, that was one of the biggest drivers to actually write it, in addition to the fact that um, by the time I sat down to write it, I had, I started a diary and I had about 70 pages, eight and a half by 11, single space already documented, so, in the backdrop on that is, you know, my brother um, I've come from a large family, a family of nine and, and, you know, a couple, a couple of my brothers really stepped up. I'm not saying that none of them, I'm not saying they all didn't step up, but a couple of brothers that I'm really close to stepped up. And when I got out of a psychiatric facility, which I was set up for, which I would later discover that through the revelation of the third gift, um, he's like, you know, my head was so screwed up and I had stayed in the marriage for another, another seven months, uh, I don't know if either of you have ever read the book and hopefully not the book called I Hate You, Don't Leave Me. But that was kind of my mindset. So she would, uh, you know, hit you with, with the emotion and then later pull you back in just to uh, smack you across the face again. But mm. it supported the fact that I was, you know, he's like, whatever, I'll support whatever you want to do. If you're going to stay in the marriage, that's fine. But, you know, you need to start documenting everything that's happening in the household because you've had the cops called on you. You've spent nine days in the psychiatric facility. You've been misdiagnosed with bipolar 2 so you need to start protecting yourself and so that was the genesis for the book i started with that but the encouragement really came from my therapist at the time to your point davy she said look there's there's just not enough books out there about men on the other side of the equation
0: right there's not you you,
2: yeah you really need to to write the book and the funny thing about it is at least all the folks on my side whether it was therapists or attorneys they were like when you write this book here's the name i want you to use for me so the book the book is very real i changed changed some names i changed locations changed a couple of other things made some slight tweaks to it but yeah it's absolutely real so
0: well i i applaud you for it i mean you hear so much negative terms about anything when, when a man is coming forward with that kind of stuff it's it's like there's toxic masculinity there's mansplaining it's all it's yeah. it's it's all set up and I and I get it. It's deserved for a lot, you know, I get it. Yeah. But it also makes it harder for other guys to like come forward with their experiences and to get help because they feel weak by doing that. You know what I mean? And 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 exposing yourself to that is your only way to come forward and be your true self, you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, and I, I thank you for that and I thank you for that comment because yeah, and I've received a ton of support from, you know, several guys on the various platforms that have come forward and said, you know, I've lived this life and thank you for sharing your story as well as females. So, I mean, you know, my rationale for writing it was not to make it a me too versus men too thing. Right, you
0: know, right. We're fully, mm-hmm.
2: fully recognizing there's equal opportunity on both sides. Yes. And And, and offenders on both sides. But yeah.
0: Oh, I definitely agree. But I'm saying, like, you're, there, there's not many men books at all about that at all. So yeah. that that is what really struck me. Like, I was like, okay, you know, I can get down with this. You know what I mean?
2: Right. Yeah. More men should yeah. speak.
0: Yeah, speak they forward. should.
2: Well, it, it, and then the male bravado, too, and I, I, on various podcasts and platforms that I've been on, I've, I've made it very clear that the biggest mistake that I made early on was not telling anybody. right. Yeah. I told nobody what was going on. Nobody in my large family. I confided in nobody, and I kind of put myself on an island, and that only made me more vulnerable to the attacks from her. And then the, uh, eventually her her mom got involved and threatened to kill me on a beach trip and suggested I was what? addicted to porn and addicted to drugs. And, yeah, that, that's the back cover of the book. We figured we'd put that little quote on the back cover of the book in case people need something to read quickly and go, okay, maybe I'll read this. But, yeah, yeah. I was – yeah, that was, um, that was two or that was three months before I ended up involuntarily committed for nine days.
0: Holy shit. Wow. That's
1: yeah. Some serious yeah. mind games and abuse right there.
2: Yeah. Came up, came up from the beach. We were on a family beach trip. It was her family, not my family, but it was her, just her brother and his, his wife and kids and our kids and my wife and, and the now ex-mother-in-law and came up from the beach and, um. Uh, Yeah, I walked up to get a drink. They had gone somewhere, and she's I'll never forget. I still have the visual burned in my mind, but you know, they're standing at the end of a long granite counter, and she just looks at me with death in her eyes and simply said that you put your hands on my daughter, I will kill you. (laughs) You know, perhaps you're addicted to porn, perhaps you're addicted to drugs. There's something, something deeper going on with you, maybe something that happened in your childhood. And of course, I was rocked back on my heels, going, What, where's this coming from? Right and, you know, stood there and took it, but that it was those types of incidents that I shared with nobody. Mm. And then, you know, the, as I say in the book, I mean, the, the devil attacks your strengths and turns it into a weakness. And my strength was, you know, my love for my family, the family unit, trying to keep things together and trying to figure out, okay, was there something I did in this marriage that caused her to play the chord of, I can't trust you. I can never trust you, but Long story short, as it turns out, everything that she accused me of doing, she was actually doing. So Uh-oh. and that's yeah, that's the third gift. The first two gifts are my kids. So they're now young adults. But the first two gifts are my kids. And the third gift was after, you know, after we had separated and I was manipulated out of the house and we're sitting down with I'm sitting down with my attorney in one room. She's with her attorney in another room. and You got an attorney going back and forth and the whole time the an hour meter is running and, uh, yeah. So they, they came with their first offer and then her, her attorney or the mediating mediating attorney, you know, dropped the, a test on the table and said, Oh, by the way, she said it just like that. Oh, by the way, she wanted me to let you know, you gave her herpes too. And I said, what, you know, I didn't say it that calmly. Um, I didn't say it that cleanly, but that was, that was the gift from God that said, okay. All right, you know your marriage is over. So, because I'm in the mar- medical pharmaceutical field, quickly glanced at it, recognized that it was a DNA test. It was a swab for some ulcerations, and indeed she had she had contracted herpes too. Of course, my biggest fear was ah, perhaps she's already infected me, and that's why she played the card. But fortunately, two days later, when I would get my results back, I I had tested negative for it. So, oh,
0: thank God that because usually herpes is the gift that keeps on giving, you know. And that's the worst, yeah, that
2: that is the worst gift. That's kind of why (laughs) I can laugh about it now, but that's kind of why my son's like, Yeah, dad, you're gonna have to name the book the third gift, yeah. So, he kind of helped me with the the title and the subtitle, of course, is My Dance with the Devil and Her Mother. Um, but yeah, it's it's gave me emotional freedom because what I did after that after i got off my hands and knees for praying for negative results was i took a look at five years of medical claims five years of pharmacy claims that i had no idea i had access to it was all all on our insurance company's website oh uh wow. insurance company out of the connecticut area matter of fact
0: oh yeah they're but all from connecticut
2: yeah. <laughs> they're all from connecticut so yeah. i i disca- not only did i discover you know, which took me hours. I mean, I'm building spreadsheets, cross-referencing, you know, names of drugs and, and physician visits and dates and trying to figure out what who might have prescribed what particular drug. But and figuring out what some of the drugs were, because even though I'm in the pharmaceutical field, I'm not familiar with all of them. And, and I discovered that she essentially had every STD out there leading up to the, the big door prize of, you know, her piece too. Oh God! And and I also discovered that um, there were two prescriptions every month in her pharmacy claims that were marked private. Now you can never tell what which physician wrote it. It never gives you that in the claim, but they were marked private. And I looked at those, and that went back five years. Every month, two prescriptions marked private. So I got to the right person at the insurance company and said, "Please, you know, I'm paying all the medical bills for these. I'm the primary card holder." I want to know what they are and I want to know who wrote them. Well, it turns out, <clears throat> at least for the, the initial part of it, was her psychiatrist. would oh, write her whatever she wanted and she was addicted and probably still is to Adderall and Adderall XR. Right. So I discovered, so again, she accused me of doing drugs, me being the drug addict. She, you know, alienated me from my daughter for two years when my daughter was 15, convincing her that. You know, your dad's a drug addict, your father has mood issues and so forth, so on. And of course, spending nine days in a psychiatric facility further cemented that for my daughter at the time until she was old enough to see it for herself when she lived with mom alone. But Without her and and people, I want to stress this because people don't understand this, but if she had never played that card, I don't know where I'd be today. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know where I'd be in a relationship with my daughter with a relationship with my son. Cause they wouldn't have known who to believe.
0: Right. Right.
2: Or if I had tested positive, you know, who do you believe? Do you believe mom, do you believe dad, who do you believe? Right. Right. Well, you know, dad was a crazy one. Dad was the one that spent nine days in a facility. So maybe we should go with mom, but yeah, it gave me the truth. It gave me the truth to be able to provide the, that truth at the right time to, you know, to my, my kids. And both of them have, you know, the young adults now. So they both have read the book and, you know, they, their comment back to me was, Dad, Dad, you, you, man, you kept so much from us. And I'm like, well, that's, that was intentional. You know, you didn't need to know everything that right. I was going through and everything that we were dealing with. Right. But, but I uncovered so much, so much deception, so much betrayal, and the the whole infidelity piece really didn't even bother me. Right, right. It didn't bother me.
1: What 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 put you in the facility for nine days? How did that? That happen?
2: is a that is a great question. So that that also came along with the third gift. Um, the spring of twenty fourteen. So in the spring of twenty fourteen, and I don't know if you if you saw the TikTok or not or whatever, but the TikTok that really blew up was I would later discover once I was out of the house for about a year and we had separated, I would discover that she was poisoning me with arsenic. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh so, God. so in the spring of 2014, I, under the advisement of my son, I started working out, you know, he's like, dad, you know, you need to start working out. I had ballooned up to about 245, 250, And I was a pretty good size guy at 6'1". That was still too, too much weight. Um, so I started working out three days a week, uh, just an hour. He built a little, I said, I don't have time to work out two hours in the gym like you do. So just build me something I can get in, get in, get out in about an hour. Less than six weeks of working out, and I also switched from Coke to Diet Coke, and I thought that was the magic bullet. Um, but but in less than six weeks, I lost 35 pounds. Then I lost 40. Then I lost 45. Then it was 50. And then I became concerned because then I started having, you know, intestinal issues. I started having tingling in my fingers and my toes, pain in my joints, dizzy spells, difficulty swallowing, and I thought this this kind of fed into what she was saying to me. You know, like you've got got some mood issues and you you know, and, and so I started thinking, oh, maybe I got a brain tumor. Maybe I got something physically wrong with me. That's giving off a vibe that I don't recognize. And I ultimately ended up going to a family practitioner and they ran some blood work and I had white blood cell counts. that came back elevated liver enzymes that were significantly elevated. Another enzyme called creatinine phosphokinase. that was absolutely through the roof. And that's indicative of either having a stroke, a heart attack, a traumatic muscle injury, which I had none of those. And they couldn't figure out what was going on, but the weight kept falling off. And that only fueled, I think, I'm certain that only fueled her drug accusations with her and her mother. He's got to be doing something. Right. Oh. Or he's got to be, he's getting in shape. He's losing all this weight. Yeah, he's cheating on me. He's cheating on me. He's doing drugs. He's doing whatever. And so in in the fall of 2014, I'm still seeing a family practitioner trying to figure out what's going on. A couple of days before I see him for another visit, she had called the cops on me on a Friday night because I had been I had been misdiagnosed by a psychiatrist that I had bipolar, too. I mean, I agreed to do anything to to kind of keep the marriage together. So I'm like, fine, if I've got like a mood issue, I'll be happy to go talk to somebody. Right. I, I went and she was gracious enough to go with me and I use gracious sarcastically. <laughs> and I don't know if you've known anybody that's gone through the mental health system, but it's very subjective. It's a very broken system. So I filled out a questionnaire for bipolar two. She filled one out and of course she checked every box. All ten of the boxes on the questionnaire. I forget how many I checked, but I didn't check all ten and a twenty minute visit, he says sounds like bipolar two. And so I got diagnosed September 9th with bipolar 2, um, and in that couple of days later, you know, he says, Wait, well, because of your condition, you, sh- you shouldn't drink, and I want to do a look-back drug test on you. I'm like, it's fine. Do a look-back drug test. You know, you're not going to find anything. just want to see if drugs are contributing to your potential issue and so forth so on. So. Three, four days later, um it was a Friday, of course, we were fighting about something or other, something stupid and 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 um, she went out to have and I lay all the I lay this entire journey out in the book, but she I suggested go go have dinner with a girlfriend or whatever you know, I just need some time alone at that point in time, our daughter had been our son had been away at college. Our daughter had been less and less around the house on weekends because she knew what would would transpire, so she was not home. She went out to dinner with a girlfriend, came back three, four hours later, and in the course of four hours, I had no more than four beers. Well, she smells the beer on my breath, and of course that was, you know, game is on for her there. You're not supposed to be drinking, and so she she locked herself in the guest room, and um, I opened the guest room door with a little pick lock that was above the door frame. I didn't go in the room, and I simply asked her a question. I wanted to get clarity on whatever stupid issue we had been fighting about that day or that week and she just simply looked at me with just the darkest coldness in her eyes and didn't answer it i shut the door made the mistake of saying well maybe the good lord will take me and your problems will be solved so for her that was the perfect inroad to say this guy's suicidal even though i wasn't so she called the cops she called the cops and i knew the cops were coming after she left And, of course, she's on speakerphone with her mother as she's leaving out of the garage and the window's down and her mother's yelling, get out of there, get out of there. And so the cops show up and, you know, I told them what had transpired. I was open and honest with them about my diagnosis, but I was also had a discussion with them that I was concerned that her paranoia was driven by her autoimmune disease. So that's the other wild piece of the story, this autoimmune disease that I believe she had had for 17 years. As we move forward in the court system, we would later discover through subpoenaing medical records that she, in fact, did not have an autoimmune disorder. So that's the other twisted piece. Some think that she's got Munchausen's or now known as factitious disorder. Right. So anyhow, she she calls the cops The next day I go down to Charlotte, North Carolina to visit my son because I'm like, I've got to go. He needs to know what's going on. I've already lost my daughter. I want him to hear from me that I'm not a drug addict, that I'm not cheating on his mom, that I'm in love with his mom. When I'm down there, I would later discover probably a year and a half later when we subpoenaed medical records and I got my medical records. When I'm in Charlotte visiting my son, she's writing letters behind my back to my psychiatrist and to my family practitioner further painting the picture of my craziness. The day, the day after those letters were written and submitted to them, which those letters are in the book. So that's the beauty of the book is it's, it's really, I mean, the letters are in there verbatim.
1: Oh, wow. Cool.
2: (laughs) So the day after I go to this family practitioner, we had talked about separating that weekend I'm feeling like a broken man, thinking my family's falling apart, we're going to separate, you know, and I asked her one simple question, I agreed to separation, but I said, um, I agree to separation, if we can continue with therapy, and if there's a chance of reconciliation, Well she never answered that question, just mm-hmm. would stare at me and wouldn't answer that. So I go see this family practitioner she goes with, of course, and I was going as a follow up to all my weight loss and all the enzyme issues and everything going on. And we never even ended up discussing that because she quickly launched into what happened that weekend with the cops and with my drinking. And unbeknownst to me, he never even told me, oh, but, you know, by the way, your, your wife sent me a letter Saturday about all this that transpired. Plus, plus much, much more. He never, never even mentioned a letter to me. Never. And so Uh, that day, he, you know, I'm I'm sitting on the exam table. I've got my head lowered. I feel broken. I feel hollowed out. I'm trying to figure out how the hell did I end up here? He simply asked the question with his back to me as he's typing on his computer. He says, if you lose your family, what are you going to do? Or if you lose your family, how's it going to make you feel? And I said, I don't know what I would do. And he interpreted that as suicidal ideation. What? Oh my yeah.
0: God! Well, she already painted the picture, so the right. narrative yeah. was already created in the people's minds already. Yeah, the know?
2: narrative was already created, and this this gentleman—I call him a gentleman loosely—but he would he would later backpedal after a lot of this other stuff transpired. He would later backpedal, and in my actual medical records, he's listed anxiety. He didn't—he never put a diagnosis of bipolar too, but essentially said if you don't go to a particular hospital. I'll have you involuntarily committed. So I ended up in an acute care facility, not a dedicated psych hospital for three days. And then I had a police transport to a dedicated psych hospital that I was hoping to avoid. So I ended up spending nine days in two different psychiatric facilities. Wow. Um, so I had a journey through <clears throat> the broken mental health care system, the broken medical care system. The other thing that we I would later discover is this same family practitioner, allowed her, and I discovered so much, as I previously mentioned, but the same family practitioner allowed her to fill pres- amphetamine prescriptions in our kids' names for two years to the, tune of, to the tune of 600 days where sight unseen. Wow. So my daughter was a minor at the time, so once I discovered the drug addiction and we were separated and I really started moving into private investigator mode, figuring out what the hell she had been up to, I uh, I, did, I I got my daughter's medical records, and I looked at her pharmacy claims, and sure enough, a lot of her pharmacy claims were marked private as well. And I made the assumption what they were, but I not only made that assumption, but I worked with the pharmacy to get all of those unlocked so I could see what they were. Wow. And I map, mapped it all out in spreadsheets and so forth so on, and she was filling gaps. She had to fill gaps because the doctor I would later discover that probably started her on the amphetamines He later got into trouble with the DEA and the North Carolina Medical Board. They were watching him for inappropriate prescriptions of narcotics. Well, yeah. Mm. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So so her supply ran out. She had to use our kids for two years. And, again, I I mapped it out perfectly that she had gaps in filling her prescriptions of 600 days. Well, sure enough, she used our kids for those. And then – yeah. And then, I mean, I, I, like I said, I, I discovered, I discovered so much, but the other interesting thing for me is that she would claim to have not only claim, but she had legitimate cardiac issues and we would go to cardiologist after cardiologist and she had all sorts of cardiac procedures done, not, not benign procedures, but cardiac tilt table tests, cardiac catheterizations, but never once mentioned to her cardiologist. Though, so, by the way, I'm taking three different formulations of amphetamines. Mm-hmm. Never, ever, ever disclose that.
0: Yeah, no add. And it's no, okay. no
2: wonder. Yeah, no, no wonder, wonder you're having. You no know, wonder. You're having hypotension. No wonder you're passing out on occasion. So she was not only on amphetamines, but of course the, the benzos or the downers to bring you down. Yeah. So I discovered all sorts of medications that I didn't even know she was taking.
1: You were married to a super tweaker.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Prescription yeah. tweaker. It, yeah. 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 What do they call it? They call it uh, pres- prescription speedballing, right? Yeah. That's. Yeah.
1: How many. So how many years were you married total?
2: We were married 23. Wow. And, and And believe it or not, the first 17 were very stable, very happy. And my daughter said it best when things started falling apart. Of course, she didn't like me much, but I found her one day sitting in her closet, crying her eyes out. And she looked at me and said, "Dad, what happened? You and mom are like teenagers in love. What happened?" Wow. And I had no answers at that point because she had not yet dropped the uh, the herpes grenade in my lap. Um, but but again, had had I tested positive?
0: That's a horrible or- grenade, by the oh, way. Yeah. That, that affects yeah, yeah, everybody, yeah. you know.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: That's like a super said, spreader. I, let me tell you,
2: ex- <laughs> ain't no mask
0: I, helping, you know?
2: <laughs> right. I almost, I almost, I almost put something like that out on social media when all this coronavirus hit and all this about super spreaders. But I'm like, nah, it's insensitive. Yeah. Let's not do that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, so, you need, you need like uh, Keith Morrison to like do a dateline where he just asks the doctors, ooh, that pesky DNA, like everything. Yeah, like yeah, That yeah. would be just great. To have him investigate all of the shit for you.
2: Yeah, and, and we ended up we ended up with an STD expert. We ended up we ended up in so once so once I was out so I, so I didn't back to the arsenic for a minute. I didn't discover the arsenic stuff until about three or four months before our alimony trial. So I had been manipulated out of the house. Right. Had my daughter alienated from me. I had been out of the house. We'd been separated about a year um, before I finally got you know, an appropriate diagnosis and a heavy metals test and and a a hair and nail test is what ultimately they determined it was chronic exposure to arsenic from a hair and nail test. Wow. And I believe she was putting it in a protein powder. So she not only mocked me with that. So when I started working out, yeah, when I started working out in the spring of 2014, my son's like, Dad, you got to take some protein, you know, after your workouts. And she would pull that container out of the cupboard and she would mock me with it. She would say, "You're putting something in here. I know you're putting something in your protein powder." Oh, psycho. She was gaslighting
0: yeah. you the whole time, man. That's oh yeah, like...
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. And I didn't know what gaslighting was until I got to my domestic violence trial. Oh, her picture's
0: I... there, brother. Her picture <laughs> is right there, like right there. They with have her a special. Mom. They have a special book like dedication, gaslighting one hundred and one. She wrote like yeah. chapters one through five. You know, with she her mom was... over her
1: shoulder.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Would be like
1: i'm gonna get you
0: yeah the devil she went down went, to north carolina
2: oh my goodness oh man and so you know people people question the, the whole devil piece but it's like no no it the, the devil's real evil's real and, and and i slept with that for 23 years but <laughs> yeah you did <laughs> yeah and i i danced hey there, the were the time. there were some good
0: times there were some, some good times you wouldn't have stuck time. around so the but devil wasn't that bad for a little bit
2: <laughs> yeah but without question the good lord Saved me without, without saved you from
1: herpes, that's for sure.
2: <laughs> yeah, save me from herpes, but also just her playing that herpes card just kind of woke me up as his way of saying, Son, your marriage is over. Because my dumbass heading into our first mediation, I was still in love with her. So even know? the
1: poisoning didn't,
2: didn't well, I didn't discover the poisoning until a year after we had separated. Ah. So I, the, the herpes grenade went off first. And then I kind of put everything I've kind of put my health on the back burner because I, you know, not only had a full time job, but I'm, I'm going through hours and hours of medical claims and pharmacy claims. And I'm dealing with all the other legal stuff that was coming over the wall at me, including trumped up domestic violence charges where I she dragged my daughter into court to potentially testify against me and. You know, North Carolina, like many states, is what they call a non pleading state, meaning yep. you can say whatever the hell you want and you'll get your day in court. Mm. And so I had to defend myself against that. Unfortunately, my daughter didn't testify because she was removed from the courtroom because she was a minor. But yeah, so it was at the domestic violence trial that my attorney, you know, covers the mic and he says, She's willing to say anything about you. She's gaslighting you. And I said, What what does that mean? He said, Look it up. Yep, and boy, boy, did I get educated about gaslighting. I'm like, holy shit, that's exactly what she was doing to me. Wow.
0: No, JD, right. I got one for you now. You, sure. All the stuff that you went through in this book. Now, this has definitely got to be part. Like, you had to have gone under so much of a healing process going through this because you had to deal with all this stuff you dealt with, which was like a mockery. It was not. It was all false. So you had to clear your names. You had to go through all the therapy of that. Then on top of it, you know, not to, like, say I know, I'm just assuming because I've dealt with it before, but codependency. You've had to deal with codependency issues from yourself because now looking back, you had to wonder, like, why you stayed with this person, like, after all this, even trying to work it out. So you had some sickness there that you had to heal from as well. So this has got to be some of that process that's helping you out.
2: Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I still had, you know, there's still times not, not not too much. I mean, life is very good now, but, um, being in the psychiatric facility there, you know, six months ago, I would would have nightmares about some of the young kids that I was in there with because they were legitimately made multiple attempts to take their lives. And for whatever reason, they would confide in me, maybe the uh, older gentleman piece, but they got no help. And they're like, I'm going home tomorrow and I'm not any better. And so I, I would on occasion have a nightmare about some of these kids showing up on my front porch, you know, with a gun to their head. Oh wow! Uh, yeah. So, so I mean, PTSD I'm, I'm,
0: from yeah. that, definitely.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because none, none, none of them got, none, none, of us got help. There was no therapy in there, and uh, and it was over medication and sedation. And again, all, all of that is is laid out in the book. That's only one chapter. I could have dedicated probably a whole book to that, to those nine days. But, but even in, even in the mental institution there were believe it or not there were some laughs um there were some chuckles um right but um yeah so we we ended up you know so we ended up I ended up having to defend myself against domestic violence trial then we had a four-day alimony trial and then I had civil summons filed against me and just the whole the whole nine yards but we ended up dealing with, you know, having to get a, uh, retain the services of a national STD expert. And, uh, because there were some conflicting results with her tests when she went and got retested after I dropped the negative test results on her. Right. And so it was, it was, yeah, it was quite the journey. I mean, the journey from when the, this stuff started to when all this ended was probably five years. Wow.
1: Wow. Is she in jail now?
2: (laughs) She is not. And that's like a hundredth million question I've I've received on TikTok and Instagram. She's not because even though she was under court order once we headed towards our alimony trial and the only reason I pursued that, people ask, why did did you pursue that? was because in the state of North Carolina, if there's proof of infidelity, there is no alimony. So we had dead to rights DNA evidence that she had contracted, you know, an incurable STD that I don't have. Right. And she contracted it during the course of the marriage. Well, she was under a court order to maintain the integrity of her devices, but she destroyed her phone. And we, we took that to the courts uh, prior to our alimony trial. And, and, you know, folks can read about what the judge's ruling was there. She did rule that, yeah, she destroyed evidence. Um, but I'm not going to make the leap that it was due to illicit sexual behavior in the marriage. And she also wiped four or five computers clean and they were due to turn over emails and all sorts. They turned over 14 emails to me. One, four, I turned over over 4,000 personal emails to them. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So again, they would later spin the story that I was having an affair. I was having an affair with a female colleague, you know, and they, they tried to build that case. Uh, which there was no no evidence of that, but so we could not figure out who she had been running around with. Was it a man? Was it a woman? You know, was it multiple people? We we don't know. I don't know, and right. I will I will never know. But I've got 90% of the answers that I so that you, I
0: need. So you've <clears throat> obviously uh, forgiven her for your own soul, I could tell. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Yeah, I, I forgave that. her, and I, yeah, I forgave her. I forgave her mom. Um, psh, God, you know two, three years ago. Yeah, I had to, I had to let that go. Yeah, I had you
0: definitely have to let that go. I could yeah. I could tell you definitely yeah. had to have done that. Now, here's my question. Are yeah. you dating now? I
1: was just about to ask
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> I am.
2: You I am. are? How okay. Are you? All right. All right. Yeah, so I started, yeah, about two years ago, I entered in, into a relationship. I was introduced to a, a wonderful woman through an old, actually through my, part of my daughter was partly involved with it, through my daughter and through a former neighbor.
0: Oh, that's awesome.
2: Um, yeah. That's yeah, yeah, awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm in a, a very happy relationship now, and uh, she's been very patient. Hey! Very patient. Hey! Yeah. Very patient in the sense that, yeah. you know, I had a lot of stops and starts with her where, you know, the, the, the mistrust or distrust pops up where you say, you know what, I'm better off. I'm better off alone. Uh, let's just go the journey alone, and and she just stuck by I me, and she's been fantastic.
0: So that's so, awesome.
1: You're passing on yeah. the protein shakes from now on. Yeah,
2: right? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. I was going to do a promo video for you for the interview, by the way, of uh-huh. running around in gyms and asking, "What's in your protein drink?" You
1: know, do you really know what's in your
0: protein? <laughs> yeah, do you shake? know
2: what's in your protein shake?
0: But I I can't I, do I, it with COVID. You know, people would freak out from running up to him asking him what's in their true. shake. That's
2: true. And we're not sure if we're masking up or not masking up. We haven't figured all that out. Yeah. You mean but, the COVID
0: uh, in my shake? What? Right. You know, like right, they wouldn't right, get right. it.
2: So. Oh, that's 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 funny. That's funny.
1: <laughs> oh
2: boy. Well, when 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 do you enter back into the uh, the stand up world? <laughs> um,
0: <clears throat> I have uh I have like one gig coming up in November, and I'm waiting for open mics to open up, but I'm not sure the way ah. things are going. Um. If it's going to happen, you know, I have a bunch bunch of, yeah, it's, it's like getting toward that time of where September is like the last hurrah, I'm thinking, because mostly all the fall stuff is getting canceled and pushed off like a lot of New Orleans, like every musical fest in New Orleans got canceled. Bands are canceling their tours. Yeah. Yeah. Broadway, they say is opening up in September, but I don't think it's going to last long. Wow. The numbers are going crazy
2: here. Yeah. Wow. 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 Okay.
0: Yeah. So.
2: Yeah, I work for i, I won't say the name—but I work for a company out of Connecticut. So back in the day when we we traveled quite a bit, I'd, I'd be up in Connecticut quite a bit. So yes, it's a pleasure to talk to you guys. A couple of folks from the Connecticut area.
0: Ah, so, yeah. very nice. nice. Very nice. We're we're uh we're in Shelton, Connecticut. Okay. Um. But I live in Fairfield. So.
2: Okay. Okay. I don't know if... How far is that from 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 Ridgefield, Danbury, and all that?
0: Oh, not far at all. That's like twenty minutes. Yep. Ah, okay. Yeah, twenty minutes. Yeah. Well, if you're in the Connecticut area, we'd love to have you in studio. We do our show on Monday nights. We'd love to have you uh, come in and uh, we could talk about your book, or you can guest co-host and we can let you uh, join our uh, little crew for a little bit.
2: Yeah. Uh, that'd be fantastic. And you guys did. And so I, I did do some research and all that. But you guys used to do a, a syndicated radio show. Yes. 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 And Laura, did. you were the co host of that.
1: I did. I was yep. for a little while. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Okay. And then you converted it to a podcast.
0: Yes. Yeah. The, uh, this, this was like, uh, my positive spin on things, uh, during Corona. Nice. Which is still nice, going nice, on. Nice. Yeah. I figured I had to do something creative because I have a couple, uh, movie roles that are put on, uh, post production now d- due to COVID. Um, so I have to wait until those come up and there's really nothing else going on. So <laughs> I had to do something creative. So,
2: Yeah, fill fill the void. But, uh, yeah, I don't know if I completely answered it to, Lori your question about the jail thing. So by the time we figured it out, it was two years. She had destroyed her phone and the, the, the protein powder, which, again, I would bet my life, no yeah. pun intended, that she was putting it in there. Because wow. um, I did a lot of the cooking around the house. But um uh, it was long gone. It was long gone. So, yeah. I mean, at that point where I was heading into uh, three months away from an alimony trial, and I just wanted to be done with it. And actually, today, is the, today, August 16th, is the five-year anniversary of what I call day two of the alimony trial, where I just got absolutely filleted, you know. So it was uh, right. what I call a destroy Danny day, where she dragged in a few witnesses and her her therapist, so her therapist testified twice against me. A therapist that I met once for 40 minutes, you know, took the stand not only in a domestic violence trial, but then reluctantly took the stand at our our alimony trial. And this incompetent therapist essentially bought everything that she was saying and her paranoia and her delusions. And Laura, maybe you can to your comment about tweaking, yeah. but her paranoia and delusions were so far off the charts. Wow. She accused me of hacking routers, cutting phone lines, um, oh, wow. that I was intercepting her voicemails, that I was hacking into her computer, that I was, I put cameras in the doorbell, that I was living in the crawl space <laughs> underneath the house.
1: What? and. <laughs> wow, so I don't, I don't mean to laugh, but no. this is such an outrageous, like... Wow, what you went through is just so unbelievable.
0: Was she well, binge-watching no, the people laugh. under the stairs?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, yeah, laughter, laughter, is, laughter is great because – um wow. So in, in the book too, so, so she was so paranoid that she ended up subpoenaing stuff that helped us because uh, she thought I was hacking routers and doing this and doing that, that they wanted to subpoena all the phone calls that were made to ADT, our security system, and the Time Warner Cable. And so I ended up getting because, you know, we, they subpoena it. They have to turn it over to us, vice versa. So I ended up getting 17 hours of audio recordings of listening and broke my heart. At times I laughed. At times I cried and at times there was anger because right. she sounded so incapacitated. But she f- would forget that she's the one that made changes to the account. There was one and it's all laid out in the book, but there was one phone call where they were, she was on the phone for an hour with Time Warner Cable, which used to control our phone landline, and was insistent that I cut the phone lines, and she, the phones aren't working. Finally, at the end, the frustrated guy says, is the phone jack plugged into the wall? And she looks down and says, oh, no, 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 it's it's not. Wow. So she changed out routers and forgot to plug it in to... The jack in the wall, <laughs> and it was all your fault. <laughs> it was all my fault, all my fault. So yeah. she was
0: blacked, she was blacked out doing all this and forgot.
2: Wow. Yeah, yeah, essentially, yeah. I mean, wow. she just fried herself. And it's, it's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of empathy, there's a lot of sympathy. Because yeah, right. very, I could
0: see that. Yeah, that's sounds-
2: very smart, beautiful, intelligent woman that had a lot of potential. And I talk about in the book. People ask, and they've asked a lot on social media, what was it that triggered her to go off the deep end? And so there's more to the convoluted story, but I believe it was the death of her father. Mm. Uh. So her father came out of the closet when she was two years old and said, you know, I'm a homosexual and I'm going to be moving on. And and so she was estranged from her father, not because of that, but she was estranged from her father because I now believe that she cheated on her first husband as well. So, yeah, that was the first major red flag that I overlooked was that she had been married before. Right. Claimed, claimed to have been married less than eight weeks, never moved in with him. He was controlling. He was abusive. Everything she said about me, she would take that and multiply that by a thousand when she was trying to destroy me. Um, but her father would end up taking in this guy and he lived with her. And I did my homework on it and I looked at records in the area where her father lived. And sure enough, he was on the, you know, the, the deed for the house and the title for the house um but i would say to her when we were dating I'm like why would your father do that to you and she would say of course and i bought it she'd say well he's attracted to him you, you know my father's gays you know and he's attracted to him i'm like ah, right. okay i guess that kind of made sense but I, uh, you know she, she painted her father out to be uh, an sob and a deadbeat dad and that probably is not true but i will never know because he's no longer alive but i think the death of her father so she reconnected with her father at the urging of our son at the time he was five or six and they knew about grandpa they never met grandpa but simply said hey mom why don't you call grandpa
1: Hmm.
2: and she did and they reconnected for five years it was a superficial relationship at best nobody ever talked about the past and i never said to him. Hey man, what what happened? You know, why were you estranged from your daughter for ten years? I never went there. Right, I should have yeah. went there. I we, should have went. No,
0: there. you can't go there. That's that's. There's some stuff. You just be like, yep, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. yep. Yeah. I know some shit's going on, but I ain't gonna say anything. Right. You know.
2: So when she had to make the decision, because in Florida at the time, I don't know if they've changed it, but in Florida at the time where he lived, they didn't recognize gay marriage. And- lifetime partners so she had to make the decision to terminate her father's life take him off life support at a very young age oh, and i think that was a tipping point for her that and then i'm certain she then turned to the drugs which she hid from me for, yeah she turned to the drugs which she hid for at least seven eight years but the interesting thing is is even after i discovered through the domestic violence trial we brought out that we had discovered not only that she had an STD, but we also brought out that she's addicted to prescription meds. Right. But that didn't stop her from taking them because I had full access to her pharmacy claims until we divorced and she kept right on filling them. She didn't care.
0: Uh, Now, is she sober now? I
2: don't I don't know. Okay. I don't okay. Know. She moved I gotcha. away to Florida in twenty seventeen. She didn't go to our daughter's high school graduation. She didn't go to her college graduation. Wow. She just graduated from, you know, wow. uh, university in May.
0: Yeah.
2: And I have no idea. I've had no contact with her for over three years. Gotcha. Yeah, you know, my son, you know, who's very two great kids, very compassionate. I couldn't be prouder of the, the choices they've made throughout all of this. But uh Yeah as compassionate as he is, he got to the point where he's like, dad, I just can't deal with it anymore. So he, he has not talked to his mom in in about a year. My daughter has a limited texting relationship with her, but they haven't seen her since December of 19 when they had a Christmas lunch for about an hour and a half. And that was it. Wow. Wow.
1: What a unbelievable story.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. So I, I hope, you know, like, uh, It's sad and I feel bad of all the stuff that you went through and everything. And uh, I I hope, you know, for her sake that, you know, she's sober. It sounds like she needs a lot of help for sure and has manipulated the system and the system has failed her as well. I'm not choosing her side by any means, man. No, 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 no. I'm just coming from, like, a sober person who's been through shit, you know, to know, like, sometimes people don't act a certain way because they're under the rest I am, and,
2: right. I am absolutely which I could camp. tell
0: you could see that and I could tell you yeah. you, you that's how you've forgiven her and stuff yeah. like that
2: so well, even we... as we were going through our journey and so first first of all she burned through three attorneys so she had two attorneys that were in the same practice together they represented her for 20 months and then finally kicked her to the curb like six months before we were due to go to court for our alimony alimony trial I believe I'm certain they finally recognized her craziness and finally recognized that her paranoia and delusions were off the charts because I'm so, I would guarantee that somebody, either their staff or somebody listened to the same audio recordings I listened to and said, my God, but they didn't get her any help. So my daughter's therapist, once I got my daughter in to see a very good therapist, my daughter's therapist went to my now ex-wife's new third attorney and, and really laid out some deep concerns for her. Right, and they all run in small circles. All the attorneys and all the therapists—they all know each other—and they they chose to do nothing. I went to the deacon of our church. I went to the cops. You know, he, this was even when we were separated and headed towards divorce because she would file police reports that I broke into her house. Right, when I was nowhere near it, and uh, yeah, no, this the no the, the system didn't want to deal with it.
0: No, it's because functioning addicts uh, supply uh, the pockets of lawyers. Big pharma, yep. mm-hmm. doctors, yep. insurance agents, therapists, yep. uh, everything—it's they're—they're just a piece of paper and money, which is the sad part about the whole thing. Yeah. And I
2: called—I called our insurance company, and I don't know if you're familiar with pharmacy benefit managers, but I not only called our insurance company, but I called the the folks that managed our prescriptions. And to say they were apathetic would be an understatement. Right. They're like, "Yeah, we deal with the medical side." I'm like, "You don't—you don't understand."
0: Yeah. No, and they're like,
2: well, we can't talk to you about this. This would be a HIPAA violation. I said, no, I'm looking at five years worth of our medical claims and pharmacy claims right here. Where are you getting that information, sir? I said, it's right on your website. I'm the primary cardholder. Right. We right. can't discuss any of that with you.
0: Wow it, it, it's, it, <laughs> that's the problem with our system which sucks you know it definitely yeah. is is yeah. is a problem which is definitely a highlight of your book there yeah. you know like yeah. It, it, yeah. it it it's like the victim of the system too like it hurt your family you know in ways that no one can imagine um yeah. but I want to thank you so much for for coming on our show and being not a guest. at all.
2: It's been, it's been a pleasure and I deeply appreciate the opportunity. I, I really do. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the other thing I, I mentioned real quick, well, is that I wrote the book obviously for several different reasons, but because of, first of all, as we discussed, there's not enough books about men out there in this side of the equation, but maybe to offer folks that are going through whatever adversity, a little bit of hope, a little bit of inspiration. But then most importantly, my bigger vision is to be able to use this to give back to a couple of nonprofit organizations in particular, um, targeting a, you know, former military for an organization for former military to address PTSD, substance abuse and things like that. So Mm. I'm not looking to profit from it. I'm looking to give back and self-funded it. And once I, once I can break even, if I can break even, that's, that's my vision is to do something to help others.
1: Good for you.
0: Well, I think it's amazing. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Um, it was, Thank you, guys. it was a pleasure. Anytime yes. you're in the area, like we do our show on Monday nights, we would love to have you come hang out, guest co-host if you want, or we can interview w- you again in person, whatever you want to do.
2: Yeah, that would be fantastic if I if I get. How much notice do you need?
0: Uh, a week. Okay, perfect. Yeah, yeah. I'll just tell you like if I I already have a guest, you know, but I'll be like, oh yeah, we're interviewing this person. You'd be like, okay, like I always have guest co-host people who I've interviewed come and guest co-host. That's how that I got be- Laurel as a co-host to begin with, you know?
2: Excellent. Excellent. Well, it's an it's, it's a wonderful platform. So, again, I thank you, and I will uh, get a video to you sometime tomorrow morning.
1: Awesome.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, JD. It was great All talking you. Right, I
2: appreciate you. it. Nice chatting with you guys. I appreciate it. Thank you.
0: All right. Have a good night.
2: See you. Bye. Right, bye. You too. Bye. Awesome. Wow. That,
1: that
0: was good. He,
1: that. that is some wild shit right there.
0: Oh my god. Yes. Definitely. I I
1: don't even want to know what the legal bill was for that.
0: <laughs> they definitely made some money off it.
1: Oh that. my goodness.
0: They definitely That should be a
1: lifetime movie or something.
0: <laughs> I want I want I want like uh Keith Morrison to interview it. Like to go to like that pesky herpy DNA. <laughs> Get you every time. I didn't know
1: there was an STD specialist.
0: Yeah, like, I didn't know imagine, that.
1: Imagine, like, you, you're you like, hey, what do you do for a living? I'm an STD specialist. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> hey, I'll say this. JD, congrats on our relationship because, you know, yeah. you went through a lot. And I could tell you definitely crossed over to the other side in healing and yes. going forward. And uh, also, your book goes to benefit others, too. That's so amazing, yeah. I think it's good. Um, great show tonight. Awesome. Next week, Sonia Encanta. Kanta. I can't wait for that. Yeah. It's awesome. Awesome. Uh, modern
1: problem show. Sweet Lou. I love you, Lou.
0: Oh, Lou. Oh, Lou.